Hey, 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 welcome to the Pastor Duke Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. It is pure joy on my part to bring the Word of God to you. It burns in my heart. I think it's the last days. I think Jesus is coming again soon. I got some information for you that'll help establish those thoughts for you. You know, someone may say, everything is falling apart. I think the biblical thing is, no, everything is coming together for the end day scenario for the second coming of Jesus Christ, the blessed hope. Even so, come Lord Jesus, I'm ready to go. Have my Bible open to Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. Remember, the penalty for being a false prophet was death. And when Daniel writes this down, people are thinking, Daniel, uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This is crazy. You're putting your life on the line here, buddy. But we live in a day where we can see Daniel knew exactly what he was talking about because it really wasn't Daniel. It was God talking through Daniel to you and I. We're the generation that is seeing what Daniel wrote about coming to pass right before our very eyes. Verse 4, Daniel says, But you, Daniel, uh, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. We can see the time frame. We're at the end of history's timeline, not the end of the world, the end of the age. When Jesus came the first time, it was the end of the Old Testament age. When he comes again, it will be the end of the church age with the final wrap up with Israel. Then the Lord returns, sets up his kingdom. He's crowned king and the paradise that was lost in Genesis is the paradise that is regained in Revelation. Party time, ready to go. Here's the prophecy. In the time of the end, many shall run to and fro upon the earth. Uh, that didn't make a whole lot of sense because when he writes that, even up to about the year 1830 A.D., no one had ever traveled faster than a horse could run. No one had ever traveled further than a horse could run maybe three horses in succession. And if you could ride that far, that's a long way to go in a single day. Uh, but running to and fro upon the earth, you sure you want to write that down, Daniel? Uh, yeah. Well, a lot of you listening to my voice have run to and fro upon the earth. I had uh, dinner in New York City one day, had uh, breakfast the next morning in Paris, had dinner that same evening in Tel Aviv, Israel. What did I do? I ran to and fro upon the earth up until maybe 50 years ago. That wasn't possible, but it's an everyday occurrence now. Daniel knew what he was talking about, but the next phrase is even more important than that. And knowledge shall increase. Whoa, Daniel, that might be an understatement, but just think for a minute the history of knowledge. We have the Stone Age, which lasted for a thousand years, which fell to the Bronze Age, which kind of lasted for another thousand years. And then, then the Iron Age, which lasted another thousand years. But then things begin to change uh, a little bit more rapidly. As we get into the Industrial Revolution, we were able to harness water power, we were able to establish the internal combustion engine, the burning of fossil fuels, uh, electricity. <laughs> that was a big one. 
uh, the telegraph communicating across the country in seconds under Morse code, trains, cars, airplanes, refrigeration. Man, I'm, I'm thankful for all of these things we're talking about. The phonograph, radio, television, transistors. I remember uh, playing my record player as a young person. It would hold nine long play albums, a little hole in in the middle and the little spike thing you stack them on and it would go three and a half hours in the nighttime in the dark and I was probably drunk or high or something turning those things over and playing them for the rest of the night all night long with my headphones on probably 95 decibels uh, maybe that's what went wrong in my life but now on a little magic stick a little computer stick I don't even know what you call those guys I've, I've got one here right in front of me have 126 hours of music on one little stick. Wow. I think Daniel knew what he was talking about. Knowledge will increase exponentially. They say knowledge is increasing, uh, doubling every two and a half years. Uh, not mine. I wish it were. But uh, we are just in the, the information age, ever learning, the Bible says, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You can have a lot of information and still not have a lot of wisdom. And now we have uh, communications all over the world, television, transistors, computers. I hold in my hand as I speak uh, more computer power on my iPhone than the Apollo moon expedition had. And my iPhone, I'm told, is ancient. It's an iPhone 6X or whatever that is, but it does, it's way smarter than I am. And so it'll be good for a good while until it doesn't work anymore. You know, my generation says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Now, my grandkids think I'm crazy. But I'm still happy, so they'll have to leave me alone on that. Can you imagine trying to explain uh, to your grandparents, uh, great-grandparents? Uh, I think of, of my grandfather, born 1900 in Budapest, Hungary. Uh, he died two weeks after the lunar landing. He sat in our living room with us, with the family watching. He was just completely mesmerized because he was a little boy. Uh, Kitty Hawk was uh, potentially having somebody trying to fly. They thought those people were out of their mind, and he actually got to see uh, Neil Armstrong step upon the lunar surface, say one small step for man, one giant step for mankind. Daniel was right. Knowledge is increasing exponentially. You know, I remember looking at Revelation chapter 13 as a new believer. I'm turning there as we speak. Uh, it you know, I, I, I was new to the Bible, and I, I believed in taking a little literal interpretation of the scriptures, and I still do. Uh, but when you ran into Revelation chapter 13, it was a little tough. It was 1972 when I'm first reading about what we would commonly call the mark of the beast. It says in Revelation uh, chapter 13, verse uh, 16, he, the Antichrist, causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark on the right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is a number of a man, and the number is 666. In that same chapter, it talks about the we have the rise of the satanic trinity up in the early part, the dragon, which is the anti-father, who gives power to the beast, who is the anti-Christ. And then we have the third member of the satanic trinity unfolding there in Revelation chapter 13. We commonly call him the false prophet. We have kind of a union of state and church 
where the false prophet, the religious leader of this wokeism religion that is developing uh, in Rome, uh, the Pope is front and central in all of this, as we would expect, saying everything in the Catholic doctrinal dish is it's time to reevaluate, and they're going to be pulling together the uh, monotheistic religions, the polytheistic religions, all ba- based upon the science of climate change, I think is foundational to their thinking and laying aside all the Christian distinctives uh, we learn from the scriptures from morality. But anyway, we have the world government, the Antichrist. We have the world church with the false prophet giving him his authority, the credentials to uh, edify, to build up, to, to put all of his uh, power with the Antichrist. And then just uh, a, f- a couple years later, the Antichrist crushes the false prophet because Satan himself wants all the glory to share it with no one. That's all in Revelation chapter 13. We also have in the chapter this uh, this statue, uh, this image of the beast that is made that the false prophet has power to both make it live and speak. <laughs> that was a little hard to comprehend in 1972 to about maybe 1999. We started hearing this little word AI, artificial intelligence. We started speaking recently uh, to Siri and her friend uh, Alexa, and those gals are wicked smart, and I actually enjoy uh, both of them. There's nothing evil about technology, but we were told by God what the technology would be of the evil one in the time of the end. And when I saw the totalitarian control that this Antichrist has over the world, the lock on people, it just was really hard to comprehend just how that could be. And yet now, with the technology that we have today, it's not hard to see at all. We have a world dictator coming called the Antichrist with absolute sway and control over the global populace. One can't even buy a pack of gum without compliance and receiving the mark of the beast. How could that be? But now it's easy to see his kingdom will be a technocracy. Let me say that again. His kingdom will be a technocracy. He needed computers, nanotechnology, microchips, digital identification, scanners, GPS, 5G, spake links above, facial recognition, surveillance cameras called any of those things 25 years ago. You would have had no clue what I was even talking about. But it's here, it's here, it's here. He needed uh, all of this to gain the kind of control we read about in Revelation chapter 13. And I believe that there's going to be continued pressure for people to comply with the COVID vaccines. I think this these vaccines, I mean, they can stand on their own or not, but I believe they are a segue towards the totalitarianism we see uh, by the Antichrist. I think there's something more going on than just trying to keep the people uh, safe from the uh, COVID-19 virus and the various variants that are emerging from it. COVID is part of the play. It is a tool of the enemy to bring about the totalitarianism. I mean, go to Australia as we speak. You talk about lockdown, people going out without uh, their little passes or getting 
chased down by the military helicopters. They're being arrested. They're being beaten. And I'm afraid that could be coming to America. I sure hope I'm wrong, but I'm expecting more pressure for mandatory vaccinations. I believe there's going to be booster shot after booster shot, new vaccines all being pressed upon people even though that's against the Nuremberg Code, even though that's against the Hippocratic Oath, even that's against 240 years of American medical practice, uh, it's Satan is tightening his grip. But, you know, the enemy needs uh, to have that kind of technology in order to control a populace. And we have so freely given almost all of our personal information on our cell phones and social media. I mean, they study me down on Facebook. They're going to see how many peaches I picked on my tree from my early harvest and how many peach trees I have, how many apple trees I have. I put it all up there. And so hopefully if the devil checks me out, he's just going to see Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But uh, that's the one he hates the most. And so the world has pretty much freely given our information. Uh, you know, the Patriot Act was signed back in year 2001 in reference to uh, the tragedy, the Twin Towers go down. And, you know, I was all for that, but I wasn't uh, as biblically wise as, as perhaps I should have been. But, you know, we were attacked and we wanted to catch the bad guys. And we have all this surveillance technology ability now. And so they signed the Patriot Act to uh, surveil those who uh, might be potential terrorists uh, from outside the country or even inside the country. But in reality, you know who they were surveilling? Anybody they wanted. And now with uh, <laughs> the cloud, <laughs> I remember the first time I heard the term the cloud, it was, uh, you know, the big data center, uh, wherever that might be held at. But they've got everything on everybody, every financial transaction, every paycheck, every electric bill, uh, every traffic ticket, every everything you've done. Every text message, every phone call, they got it all. Now, that's nothing evil about that. But when the evil one arises, he's got everything he needs to lock down the world. That's what really moved me most about COVID when it was hitting uh, about 19 months ago now. I have such an American flavor in everything that I see and feel and interpret. I, I look through the American lens. I look through the hippie lens. I can't help it. It's my generation. And um, when I read these prophecies in the scriptures, the words of Jesus is a sign of his soon return. There'll be famines, earthquake, pestilence. Well, that's what COVID-19 is. Turns out the death rates for the world, the death rates for America were just about the same as they were in 2019 so the facts aren't really fitting into the narrative but nonetheless it's been or called a pandemic i think better called a plandemic i think the timing of it in an election year is probably not a coinky dink um, i think uh, the locking down of the world has something to do with a coming uh, financial global reset <laughs> the international financiers have been planning for a long time very convenient how covid kind of sets things up for that 
that's got a lot of people shaking uh, in their shoes in the higher economic levels uh, of the world. I, I'm not part of that, but I'm listening to their wiggles. I'm listening to their, their fears. I find it quite fascinating, actually. So to me, COVID is only the beginning. There'll be more vaccinations, more vaccinations. And some of the uh, futuristic novels I read back in my high school days, especially the one This Perfect Day by Ira Levin, had the exact scenario in the book of how people took over the world and how some people saw through it. And it was all controlled by vaccines. It's very interesting. I can't, I want to try to find that book and reread it. I read it like 1971 and I do remember the plot uh, so clearly. I think that book actually helped me come to Jesus because the gal who brought me to Christ uh, gave me the copy of the book and said, this is a kind of a layout of end day scenario of what's going on in reference to the second coming of Christ. Of course, I didn't know anything about the Bible in those days, but uh, she was kind of cute. So yeah, I'll read the book to try to make, make her think I'm cool and gain some brownie points with her, uh, which actually it did. It sort of worked. But uh, when we read this in Revelation chapter 13, you got to have a technocracy. They got everything on everybody. And that was just impossible for us even to comprehend back in the early times of my commitment to Jesus back in the early 70s. But you know, there's a whole lot of other uh, verses in the Bible uh, that speak to futuristic technology. And how, how do you explain a um, helicopter at, you know, 600 years BC? How do you explain a nuclear weapon and the results of uh, a nuclear bomb uh, 2,600 years ago? <clears throat> well, the prophet Zechariah in chapter 14 said <laughs> their eyeballs will just melt right in their sockets. And uh, that's sort of what happened at uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. First Peter chapter three, verse 10 talks about uh, the elements melt with fervent heat. It made absolutely no sense because that doesn't happen in World War II vintage bombs. It doesn't happen even in smart bombs, but it does happen in nuclear activity. The elements melt with fervent heat. Second Peter chapter 3 is devoted completely uh, to the second coming of Christ. We have a verse Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. It said, every eye shall see. Now, how can that be? You know, we live on a globe. If you live in the Western Hemisphere, something happens in the Eastern Hemisphere. You can't see that happening. But now it, we, we see it happen every day through uh, television and uh, communication satellites. And we're watching news almost in the moment, just a, a second and a half, maybe two seconds after it happens in China. We're able to watch it happen almost in real time. And so a little verse like that, Revelation 1, 7, every eye shall see. You could skim right past that. But, you know, you say, well, you can't take that literally. Well, today we can. Every eye shall see. I've spoken to uh, probably hundreds of thousands of Americans and say, did you see the Twin Tower event on September 11th, 2001? And everybody said, yeah, I saw it. Were you there? No. But did you see it? Yeah. Did you see it a thousand times? Yes. Technology. It will be a technocracy. Every eye shall see. Plain and simple now. Revelation 9 verse 18 says one third of the world will burn. Uh, that not, doesn't happen in brush fires. Have some pretty big brush fires out in California, but never a third of the state burning. The Bible says a third of the world will burn during this tribulation time. Some of the wars, it looks like there's going to be nuclear activity uh, during the great tribulation. Interesting. Uh, 
uh, we see the kings of the east, the hordes of the east, coming from the east to Armageddon, to the Valley of Megiddo for the final battle. The Silk Highway is in, built by the communist Chinese government from Beijing straight to the battlefield that we would expect in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 16. The Euphrates River would be a block, but dams have been built. Buttons can be pushed. The Euphrates River dries up for the massive armies to cross over. Just little things that the Bible told us what to look for, and we look around, and uh, yeah, that's in place. Something that's really been grasping me the, probably about the past two years are the words of Jesus in the Olivet Discourse where he's giving all the information, all the signs for his coming. He said, it will be as the days of Noah were, Matthew 24, 37, 38. Uh, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So we go back to Genesis chapter 6, verses 1, 1 and 2. We see something going on genetically. I'm going to be turning there in my Bible, but I'm going to try to quote it. talks about uh, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, and, and of them they chose. Now it came to pass, verse 1, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, the daughters were born unto them. So now we have these sons of God cohabiting sexually with the daughters of men. Who are the sons of God? Many times in the scripture, the sons of God are angels. Well, we know one-third of the angels followed Satan in rebellion, Revelation 12, 3, and Isaiah chapter 14. He led one-third of the angels in rebellion with him. They were all cast out of heaven to the earth. Well, some of those sons of God, fallen angels, demons. The book of Jude said they left their natural habitation. What would that mean? I think those fallen angels who left their natural habitation sexually got involved with the daughters of men, women. The result of that is given here in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, and yet his days shall be in 120 years. And there were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, the sexual union between fallen angels, demons, and men, they bore children to them, and they were mighty men, were of old, men of renown, giants in the land, men of renown. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man, verse 5, was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evilly continue. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he, he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man now. It's flood on baby Noah build an ark. And so something happened genetically. You know, God is the author of life. He created heavens and inhabited them with angels and he inhabited earth and he told man to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. But there was a cross up there going on and they crossed the line and God's wrath was going to pour out on the earth because of that. You know, men of renown, I'm thinking, what could that be? And if we go back into the ancient monoliths, I think is the word, some of the great architectural things from the ancient world that 
just baffle the modern mind. Like, how did they build the pyramids? How did they get those huge stones up on top at Stonehenge? How did they build those incredible giant stone statues on the Polynesian islands? And we study that out, the pyramids among the Incas and the Aztecs. How could they build these things with the kind of technology they had in those days? Well, if you're men of renown, renowned physically, renowned in size, they were giants, uh, renowned probably in intelligence. But we live thousands of years later. We see what they built. We have no clue how they did it. And the Bible just tells us they were men of renown and God's judgment was coming upon it. It was evil. See, God is the author of life. God is the creator of the DNA molecule, deoxyribonucleic acid, the little double helix, uh, more complicated than all of our computer technology combined. God put that in everything living, and they called it in science class, the simple one-celled living organism. There was nothing simple about it at all. God is the author of the DNA molecule, and man just discovered it with the micro or micron microscope, uh, the, the big the big super microscopes, man's been able to figure this out. They can see how God built that. The double helix, like a, a ladder that's been twisted, the rungs of the ladders have four amino acids across the chain, uh, a chain of amino acids. We call those the genes. They can trace what gene creates the color of your eyes, the, the color of your hair, whether your hair is going to fall out like a lot of mine did or, or not, all in the genetic code. I know that whatever happened in Genesis 6, they crossed the line. It was something genetically that had never happened before, but it happened and God moved in great judgment. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And I think when man started getting into cloning, I think when man started getting into genetically modifying a whole bunch of our foods, you know, you got to wonder with all these autoimmune diseases, you got to wonder with all the child autism that's coming to pass, you got to wonder uh, with all the diseases that are coming, the malignancies, the cancers that are everywhere, could it be attached to the food we're eating? You think? So all of these things point to the second coming of Christ. And that was one of the signs Jesus gave. He said there'll be famines, earthquakes, pestilence in different places. And um, the word pestilence, if you look it up, uh, and it, it means uh, diseases. I, I was thinking of the AIDS epidemic that went through years ago. Now the COVID epidemic that's going through. And uh, oh my goodness, could these be the days of which our Lord spoke when he said, when you begin to see all these things come to pass. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous with the DNA uh, modification, the Moderna, and uh, I think one of the other COVID vaccines also has genetic modification in it, where literally I'm told by scientists who are not anti-vaxxers, they're just anti this vaccine because never have vaccines had genetic modification before. This is a whole nother world. And it's from Moderna, which is an offspring of Microsoft. We have Bill Gates in the center of birthing Moderna. Moderna, which is a play on words, a modify RNA. 
that makes me nervous. Um, I don't want any genetic modification in my foods. I, I, I can't help but to eat some of them, but I grow a lot of my own as much as possible. Grow organic and non-GMO as much as possible. But when I die, I'm going to heaven. The older I get, the less heaven scares me. But I want to be wise as a serpent, harmless as doves. I want to read the scriptures. I want to watch what's happening in the news. I want to combobulate these things. I want to fit the pieces of the puzzle together. I want to be aware of what's happening in my world, and I want to be a tool of God to help other people be aware. And of course, all this isn't just be careful what you eat, you know, where you stand on the vax or not. Uh, The main thing is, are we right with God? (laughs) Are we walking with the Lord? Are we saved? Do we have eternal life? Are we going home when Jesus returns in the rapture of the church? Are we going to be left behind? That's what it's all about. All these are signs to prepare us for that. And I'm just here to summarize all together today that technology is key. Technology is critical for the Antichrist to pull off his technocracy. 20 years ago, we didn't have 5G, which is necessary. 10 years ago, we didn't have 5G, which is necessary, not just for higher speed with our, uh, you know, internet access. It's necessary for the combobulation of all the data they've got on all the people. Facial recognitions. We have the social system in China in place where Everything is monitored. The state, of course, provides a cell phone for everybody. They've got everything on everyone. You get social points for complying to the party's system, to the party's line. And if you're a good citizen and follow without question everything they tell you, don't go where you're not supposed to go and don't say what you're not supposed to say, you Perhaps get a raise. You might get a little bit bigger apartment. You might have there's some benefits that come with compliance. And, of course, the opposite is true as well. They catch you thinking outside the line, speaking outside the line. You lose privilege. And if you go too far outside the line, you disappear. And that's been happening in the Chinese Communist Party for years. And yet we snuggled up to them back Oh, I think it was a time of Nixon when we reconciled with China because of all the new markets. Uh, Looking back, you know, at the time, I thought that's pretty cool. But looking back, I'm thinking, you know, that might have not been the smartest thing in the world. The Bible talks about have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And that's what we did with the communists up until um, we started getting in bed with them. And I think the price is going to be paid on that like we've never seen before. So, hey, I'm running out of time, but I'm not running out of ammunition. We are on the winning team. The Bible told us what to look for. It's here. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Hey, thanks for joining me today. I hope uh, running off on all this stuff, I get pretty excited about it. You can tell. But um, we're going home. Jesus is coming. The Antichrist, his technocracy is almost here. It's amazing. But we're on the winning team. We've got Jesus. He lives inside of us. He's the groom. We're the bride. He's coming back to take us to the Father's house. World's falling apart. Not really. Not for us. It's all coming together. We win. Jesus loves you. So do I. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. See you next time.